Welcome back to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley. I am really excited for the episode that I have for you today. It is with Abby Halberstadt. She is a blogger, a Bible-believing mother of 10, and uh, the recent new author of the book, Emma's for Mama, A Rebellion Against Mediocre Motherhood. So that is the topic for today, and it is a wisdom-filled and rich episode. I just want to mention that I am very picky about who I talk to now on the topic of motherhood, because as some of you may know, the way that this podcast started out was just discussing uh, very like loosely and in a generic Christian way, discussing motherhood and work and the grace we need for both. For both, that was my old tagline, and um, I grew really weary of those topics because, um, well, ultimately because God had other plans for this show and for me to really speak to the tough issues that very few people were talking to. But um, obviously, I'm still a mom, and I still need to grow in grace in my motherhood. And um, and yet I've just found that the the encouragement that I need is not how to just be a better mom in a in the sense of, you know, strategies, tips and tricks, or I mean, sometimes I need those things. But most of the time, I need the encouragement that comes from Scripture that my hope is not in my motherhood. It is not in, um, you know, reforming my children or it, behavior modifying them to into oblivion, but in um, Jesus Christ, in the gospel and what he's done for me. And that, that, that needs to be where my heart is centered. And so this conversation with Abby is a rare one on Kindled, really, just that we would be talking about motherhood the whole time. And yet it is so good. And, uh, and I'm saying that to say that I would not bring you a conversation on motherhood from just anyone. This is someone that I truly look up to and admire and trust the wisdom that she has gleaned over, you know, her 15, 16 years as a mom. And I'm just excited, uh, that she was able to come on the show and talk with me. Um, before we get into that, I just want to let you know about a couple announcements, uh, first off, I've mentioned this the last couple weeks, but I am no longer on Patreon. I am now on Locals as far as my uh, member community where I produce my bonus episodes for that subscriber community. Uh, that is all happening on Locals. You can join us for $10 a month at kindledpodcast.com. Um, well, actually, the direct URL to the Locals community is kindledpodcast.locals.com. Um, you can also access that link through my website, kindlepodcast.com. Um, but that is the place that I am publishing new Firestarters episodes every Friday. So you will not find me on Patreon. You will find me on Locals from here on out. And uh, the other invitation I have for you is to leave a rating and review for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, the app that helps us get found that helps other women um, find this content and for Apple Podcasts to refer the show to people who would be likely to listen based on, you know, their listening history and their favorite shows. So always appreciate that so much. Um, if you have not left a review, it just takes a few seconds to do that. So scroll down and uh, you'll find the link in the show notes to do so. I want to thank the, the sponsors of today's episode, which are Cornerstone Curriculum, Lacey Baumiller, and my own business, H. Williams Creative. You'll be hearing about those a little bit later on in the show. Okay, that is all for the announcements. So here is my conversation with Abby Halberstadt. Abby, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be here. 
So before we get into our conversation, could you just introduce yourself to, uh, and tell listeners who you are and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So like she said, I'm Abby Halberstadt. I am um, first and foremost, a sinner saved by grace and a follower of Jesus Christ and a lover of scriptural truth. And if that's all you ever knew about me, that would be enough um, because God is greater than any kind of personality or accomplishments or even people that he's given me. And he's given me a lot of people. So I'm a mom of 10, wife to one. People always ask, same, same dad. The big yeah. question that moms of a lot get asked. Yeah, same dad. Uh, we have two sets of twins. We homeschool. I'm a fitness instructor. I'm a blogger for the last decade. Um, and I am a first-time author as of officially printed and published last week. Wow. Congratulations. That's Thank so you. huge. It is fun. So fun. I honestly don't know how you, I know you hear that all the time. I don't know how you do all of that. I don't know how you like, that's a lot, right? It is. It is. And when you, the thing that I find um, really misleading about listing accomplishments like that is yeah, well, some of them are going on simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Some of them aren't like, you're not, mm-hmm. not fitness instructing while homeschooling and writing a book, like just like everybody else, I only get 24 hours in a day. I have to sleep for at least seven of it to feel like a human being. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you kind of have prioritize what you prioritize. So sometimes I just want to tell people the list of things I'm not doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't garden. I don't make sourdough bread. I don't do Charlotte Mason homeschooling so that we're outside a thousand hours a year. I don't like, like I can go so far down a list yeah. of things that I see people doing that are so impressive and intimidating if I let myself go there. Mm. Um, but that's kind of one of my passions in motherhood is saying like, find out who you are in the Lord and chase that to excellence to the Lord. And then let everybody else be awesome at what they're awesome at. You know, if it's yeah. not a core scriptural truth that everybody should be doing, let it go. You yeah. know, unless Man. the Lord starts telling you to not let it go and to do something different. I love that. That's so true. How many of us just need to hear that message? And maybe that's the end of our conversation. No, (laughs) but, but I mean, it's so true as women, like, uh, you know, we, we compare and, and it's, it's a natural tendency. I I know it is for us. And, uh, and it's easy to, like you said, just let yourself go to all these places of what you're not doing, but why not proudly say like, Hey, I'm not doing this. So I can do these other things, right. you know, and nobody's doing better at these nobody's, things. Right. Nobody's doing everything. And, and just no. to free people up to say like, it's okay. You don't have to do that. If that's not your flavor of homeschooling, or if that's not yeah. your flavor of working out or whatever it might mm-hmm. be, it's fine. Like yeah. do your thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's when we start imposing kind of our, our personality and our versions of things outside of scripture that we really kind of stray way out of our lane and start crashing into people that that gets problematic. Yes, it does. And it tends towards a lot of legalism, um, which, Mm -hmm. you know, then drives people, oops, um, drives people away from, you know, the good news that we, we should be able to find in common and say, like, it's not these things that saves me, you know, it isn't my, it isn't my motherhood or my, my being a published author that makes me worthy. Like none of it makes me worthy. I'm not worthy. You know, right. Christ is, yeah. Christ is worthy. So, yeah. well, we're going to talk about, um, your book, Emma's for mama. We're going to talk about some of the themes that you address in there and, um, you know, just life lessons. I think your wisdom that you've gained from years of motherhood, you've been a mom 17 years. Uh, actually my oldest will be 16 in May 16. Okay. 
so yeah, that's, that's a long time to have been walking this road and, you know, making mistakes, failing and, yeah. um, and also, also thriving in, in different ways. And so Emma's for mama, the subtitle is a rebellion against mediocre motherhood, which mm-hmm. is very intriguing. So <laughs> I want to ask you, what do you mean by mediocre motherhood? What does that mean? So I actually start the book because I knew that was going to be the first question that everybody was going to ask, kind of explaining what I mean by that really loaded term. Because I think so many people are going to, I mean, some people may assume they know exactly what it means. Like, oh yeah, I know those are kind of people. And they may be surprised because they may be thinking about people being mediocre because they don't do things the way that the person thinking of it does them. And I don't think that's mediocre. Like you said, homeschooling differently than someone else doesn't make you mediocre, even if the other person or you are convinced you're doing it the right way. That's not the definition. I think that where mediocrity comes in is instead of the thing that we're doing, it's the way and the attitude with which we do it. Mm. So maybe we're feeding our kids, maybe we're taking them to practice, but we're resenting every bit of it. And so instead of pursuing, like, like we're doing all the things, we're going through the motions, but we are not doing it as unto the Lord and we're not doing it with a heart of gratitude or a heart of rejoicing, which is going to be all of us at some point of probably every single day. Very few of us blow through the day doing high kicks and toe touches and jumps for joy about how amazing it is that your toddler pooped on the floor again. You know, like that's not going, and there's a phrase that I use in there that says, I don't think that rejoicing always has to be the same thing as enjoying always. You do not have to love something to say, this is for my good and for his glory. So in looking at mediocre motherhood, I think the thing that I'm talking about is not about your baking skills or how great you are at sitting on the floor and playing cards with your kids or Mm -hmm. anything else that you could put in that blank. It's whether you are finding the fount, the wellspring of your joy or lack thereof that you have to get from Christ in scriptural truth and in the Lord alone, because otherwise we're all going to be mediocre. You know, like mm-hmm. the only thing that can draw us up to excellence is Christ. So what I see a lot of that I feel is very appealing to many people is finding solidarity and complaining in your bad days, instead of finding a way to encourage and uplift each other and say, man, that is hard. And I've been there, but what can we do practically to lift ourselves up out of this? You know, um, Or saying, you know what? I'm ticked off at my kids all the time. That's my right. Everybody feels this way. Maybe what I see a lot of in social media, for example, which I feel like it's compounded this whole kind of culture that says I am entitled to be angry and easy on myself. Mm -hmm. um, And I don't have to, I don't have to look to Christ. I kind of need to look inward or outward and either compare and feel better or compare and feel good about myself is social media. Social Mm -hmm. media gives you so many opportunities to either look at someone and say, I do better, or she does it too, or to laugh at things we shouldn't laugh at. Like we should take something seriously. There are a lot of funny things in motherhood and a lot of things that we can giggle over. It's like, oh my word, you know, my toddler just told the pickup grocery lady that he loved her when she said bye. You know I mean? Mm-hmm. Their fathers are funny, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, my, my, five-year-old I said this was a four-year-old thing for me to do because I knocked the glass over and I specifically didn't say five-year-old because I knew he was gonna be like hey I'm five and he was like don't do that four-year-old thing again mama I mean they're hilarious plenty of genuinely chuckle-worthy things that kids do 
But snark is a whole other level. Snark is where you take it and you justify your anger or your bitterness or your resentment. And there's just no room for that in scripture. So I just kind of wanted to speak to that from a biblical perspective, but also from a I've been there and I get it perspective. Mm-hmm. I am not above this by any stretch of anyone's imagination on any given day. Yeah, totally. I mean, I don't, I guess I, I don't follow a lot of people who, um, I maybe, maybe this just reveals, I, I only follow people who I like agree with, but, um, I, I don't follow a lot of people where I see that, but I see it in culture. Like yeah. I see, I see a ton of, you know, the toddlers are a holes book and yeah. a lot of people who, when that came out, I mean, it's a few years old now, so it's kind of old news, but just the celebration of that, like quote unquote truth that, yeah, you know, they sure are like, screw them, like just kind of a nastiness. And it's like a, mm-hmm. a hatred really for children when it's like, uh, obviously it, it hits a note where you're like, well, toddlers are frustrating a lot of times because yeah. they can't communicate and they yeah. cry a lot and they throw yeah. fits because they don't know how to talk and, sure. you know, and they don't know how to express what they're thinking or you're not understanding that they're saying, I want money. Like my daughter yesterday was saying she lost some <laughs> coins. She had like three coins in her hands and, um, she dropped one between the couch cushion and she was going more money, more money. And I was like, I was like, I can't find the coin. It's gone, yeah. Marigold. I'm sorry. I don't have any more money. And she started oh, throwing I love a that name, it. by the way. Marigold is uh, a great name. Yeah, but it's just like, I was just like, I, I don't have more money for you. And I'm not going to find another coin. You know, it is it is what it is. And then she proceeded to throw a major fit and, you know, had to have discipline. And, you know, eventually she gets out of it. But it's like, I get that they're frustrating, of course. Yeah. But it's not okay to take that reality and then celebrate it and leverage it for you know, a laugh at their expense. And, you know, really it's like the, the sad reality is it's like, they are sinners. <laughs> like they yeah. actually need the Lord. They need a heart change, you know, and from a, from a secular perspective, obviously that is not a popular truth. No, because if, and as an adult, you don't want to acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need Jesus, then you're certainly not going to want to place that on a small child who developmentally has all of these obstacles that we hopefully have, you know, overcome. But from a Christian perspective, we do have to approach it not as a my child is a sinner. I need to rehabilitate him because we can't only the Lord can change their hearts, but my child is a sinner. Therefore I shouldn't be even a little bit surprised when they do sinful things. Like Mm -hmm. it makes it feel less personal. That knowledge that we are dealing with a fallen human, just like we are, makes it where it's not a personal affront to us when they take our time, when they inconvenience us, when they yell at us, when they lose their tempers. Instead, it's a teaching opportunity for us and for them. And it's so interesting how you were talking about the culture and the books. So I haven't spoken to this anywhere else and I've kind of gone back and forth on whether to, and I'm not going to get into great big detail, but interestingly enough, in 2020, a board book for moms came out called Emma's for Mama. I'd already signed my contract. I'd had my blog name for eight years. Like there was no crossover or like, you know, it it, it was such a coincidence, Mm -hmm. but it's called Emma's for Mama and Merlot. And the inside of it, each of the letters are for kind of this attitude of we all, like one of the pages says something like, um, I don't remember what the letter is for, but it's like, this is for, we have absolutely no idea what we're doing. We're all just making it up as we go along. 
and the person's response to moms. And she's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And of course, from a scriptural perspective, we have to say that's not so. In fact, the Lord has given us really clear biblical um, foundations and precepts, which makes this whole thing a lot less intimidating because he hasn't just left us to wallow and make things up as we go along. Um, Yes, we learn as we go. Yes, there will be days when we really feel like we're floundering. We don't have a clue, but we have somewhere to go for truth. And I'm so grateful for that. I don't Mm -hmm. want to celebrate winging it. Yeah, I want to have somebody that holds me accountable to the days that I wing it saying, okay, that day happened, no big deal, but let's make a plan by the Lord's grace and with his help for tomorrow. I want to take a second to introduce you to one of my sponsors, and that is my friend Lacey Baumiller with the five minute meal. Lacey teaches women that long-term weight loss is a byproduct of healthy, sustainable habits, not short-term fad diets. If you follow me on Insta, you've likely seen that I've been on my own health journey to create more sustainable and healthy habits. So I could not agree with Lacey Moore. Her five minute meal will teach you a simple weekly meal planning system that will simplify mealtime, save you from the overwhelm of wondering what to make for dinner every night and help you prepare nutritious meals that will move the needle on your health goals and your entire family will love. To download the five-minute meal plan with recipes, shopping lists, and a step-by-step process to make it all happen, just scroll down in the show notes of this episode and click the link to go to Lacey's website. It's completely free. And bonus, anyone who downloads will get a 15-minute pantry audit where Lacey will teach you how to stock your pantry to make this process effortless. Just simply scroll down on the show notes of this episode to click the link and download your five-minute meal plan today. Yeah. And isn't that just the blessing of the body of Christ is that we have women and and mothers who have been places we haven't been yet. And we can, you know, and can, and should, we need those relationships. We need people who are a few years in front of us who have dealt with that. And, and also can offer us the perspective that listen, like whatever you're dealing with right now, that is so hard. I promise you, it's not going to last forever because nothing does. I mean, that nap schedule that's, that's killing your free time and you don't, and and the kids aren't overlapping and you're just literally always touching a human. It will not last. Somebody's nap will change or go away and, you know, or they will want to go play alone and something is going to change. And so just to remind you, because I, I needed that truth at one point. I mean, I'm, I've only been a mom seven years, but I remember when I had been a mom one year and I was dealing with, you know, as soon as I would figure out one schedule, it would change. And then I'd get frustrated, like, great. Well, I really liked that. And now I don't have that anymore. So this is just great. Now, how am I going to get my work done? You know, that was my, that was my perspective. And then as I matured and saw, oh, like it's always changing. And sometimes it's for my benefit of time. And sometimes it, it hurts my time. And and, oh, it looks like, I guess I just can't put my hope in how much time I get. You know, exactly. it's like, that was the and lesson I, really, I learned was uh, I, this, I've been putting hope in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're so right. I do feel like one of the things, um, Ruth Joe Simons came up with the hashtag, well, popularized at the very least the hashtag motherhood is sanctifying. And I think some people were like, what does that even mean? Like from what, you know, especially from maybe a non-religious perspective, you're like, what is sanctification? Why would motherhood do that? Well, I think one of the reasons why is exactly what you're saying. It pulls the rug out from you over and over again. Yes, the scriptural principles apply to every child, 
circumstances are going to change, which is why your hope can't be in your circumstances. Your hope better be in the Lord because your circumstances, as you say, could really stink one day. And then one day they're great. But if you put your hope in that, you're going to be so disappointed mm-hmm. when they go back to being tough again. Right. I always say hard is not the same thing as bad. And so many people have told me that that is just the perspective shift, the tiny perspective shift that they needed to go from this is hard, like you say, the nap schedule or the stomach bug that's going through everybody for the fifth day in a row and you started over when you thought you were done or, um, you know, whatever it is, the potty training regression or from older kids, you know, nasty attitudes or fighting with you or whatever. Um, just that next hard thing that you're dealing with, if you look at it only as bad, because unless it's gone, your life is not good then you're going to resent it. But if you see it as an opportunity for growth and you really choose to truly do believe that the Lord works everything for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It reframes it into, this is a chance for me to learn something. Right. So good, man. Um, some of the ways that you see that mediocre motherhood narrative seeping into Christianity, because I think that's the concern, right? It's like, we're not surprised. Like you said, we're really not surprised when the world says things like that. It's like, yeah, what else are they going to do? they don't have uh, really necessarily an accurate view of human nature. Right. But what are some ways that you see that um, contaminating uh, Christian women or thought or conversations that um, women might be having in their small groups or their churches, that sort of thing? Well, um, one thing that I am becoming more and more convinced of is that we're not reading enough of our Bibles uh, as a general rule. And so it's hard to preach truth to yourself when you don't know truth. So I feel like a lot of the questions, I do a weekly thing called What Do You Want to Know Wednesday, where I answer questions. And so many of the questions that I get asked have biblical answers, and people are like, I don't know where to start. Like, I'm so lost. Sometimes I will just kind of gently ask them, like, so what does your daily Bible reading look like? And they're like, well, I want to try, but I have... I have toddlers or I have a baby and he gets up all the time. And I'm like, man, have I been there? So I almost start probably from a place where they were thinking that, could you please just tell me how to get my two-year-old to do this? Could you please just help my preteen to not be so snappy or whatever? Mm -hmm. But I don't want them to teach. I don't want to teach them to do what I would specifically do. I want to to know what the principles of scripture are so that then whatever the situation is that arises, they're able to apply. So first, in answer to your question, I feel like we have a bunch of Christians who are doing devotionals, but not reading the Bibles. And I'm not saying that devotionals are bad or wrong. I'm saying that what you're getting is a meal that's been cut up in pieces for you and spoon fed to you instead of going to the source and learning how to cook for yourself. Like, That's what scripture does for you. It gives you the ingredients to be able to, by prayer and supplication, present your requests with thanksgiving to God in every circumstance. And instead of saying, well, I need to go back and ask my mom again what to do now that we're in a different stage, you instead come back and say, okay, so am I praying without ceasing? Am I rejoicing always? Am I looking to the wisdom of man or am I looking to the wisdom of God? Am I um, keeping a rein on my tongue through the help of the Holy Spirit? Or am I giving free rein to my tongue? Am I going to bed angry? Am I letting the sun go down on my anger and giving the devil a foothold? Every single thing that I just said has its root in scripture. And yet it's so practical. It's not even funny. So 
I would love to see my goal and the thing that has made me cheer the loudest in the response that I've gotten the most of. People are making scripture memory from this book. They're literally taking the book and they're going through and there's so much scripture in it. They're making like journaling cards from it and they're starting to memorize. And I've had multiple people say they're memorizing scripture for the first time in their lives because it was given to them. And then once it's given to you and you start to internalize that, you can turn around and go, oh, I need to know more about this. I'll tell you one funny thing that I find fascinating is that I get asked all the time to give people verses for childbirth, for anxiety, for parenting. And I want people to know they can do a web search for every single one of those things. If you can come up with two or three verses of a word or words of a verse that you remember, the internet will give you the rest. It's incredible. So um, if you can say, I need verses about peace, then you can look and say, okay, those are the ones I'm going to write in my prayer journal. So I would just love to see more initiative and more steeping in scripture. And that's something that I wanted to push forward because within the Christian community, and I get lots of DMs from people telling me, I want to do this differently. But even within my MOTS group, we spend a whole lot of our time complaining about our kids. Mm -hmm. So I would also like, I also see part of the problem is, and they say, I don't know how to stop it. I see part of the problem is within Christian community, we haven't taught the art of loving confrontation Mm -hmm. and lovingly telling people, Hey, I know this is really hard. And I totally agree. I've had days like that, but I feel like maybe if we went this direction and what if we made a list of things that did go well today, even the smallest thing you could possibly think of, like this is the day the toddler didn't poop on the rug. Mm -hmm. Yay, victory in Jesus, you know? So the ability that I see lacking a lot of is that ability to shut it down and turn the narrative around, Mm -hmm. Um, which you look at Paul is what we're called to do, you know? Like there's so many examples of lovingly taking it back to scripture. And um, I think that people haven't been discipled in that and they haven't been steeped in the word of God. Right. Yeah. So true. And it, that's, you know, that, that tendency to want to shy away from conflict could be coming from a couple different areas, but um, most likely it's either love of self or fear of man. Fear of man. So either you love yourself more than you love God, or you fear man more than you fear God. Because yeah, yeah. it's so, so easy, so easy to fall into. I feel like for me on social media, 2020 stripped that away from me. Like it was like, yeah, this stuff is happening. And I, and I like have a burning in my spirit to say it. And you've had people come after you. It is not fun. Mm -hmm. Um, but every time it happened, the Lord took away another little chunk. Of, I don't want to just go around saying, I don't care what people think. I don't think that's a good attitude. I don't right. think it's a godly attitude, but you need to care about what the right people think. Right. You have to ask yourself, has this person personally pulled forward into my life? Do I have Do a personal know me? contact with them? <laughs> yeah. Do they even know who I am? Yeah. Exactly. Right. Um, have, have we met face to face or at the very least had meaningful contact mm-hmm. if we haven't met face to face? Um, are they steeped in scripture or at the very least, are they a person of basic life wisdom? Um, And do they love me? Like if someone hates you, you can't take what they say into account too much. So that fear of man thing, I feel like had to be like pulled out of me bit by bit. It's not that I don't still have it. I've just seen over and over again, 
that the times that I was obedient to that calling, whether it was about motherhood or whether it was about mm-hmm. cultural things um, or political things, were the times that the Lord grew my faith in him because he had to sustain me when people were really unkind. So yeah. I get it. I yeah. get it. But it's right. important to overcome. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think, um, man, I just lost my thought that I was going to say, uh, um, um, well, I was going to respond to one thing you said about back to the Bible verses, like people, you know, great idea to search for those words, like, yeah, peace Bible verses. But like you said, I think that even that can be insufficient because, you know, people, if they aren't ever reading a whole book of the Bible or a whole passage, a section of Mm -hmm. scripture, they are only kind of gathering, um, up little, um, sound bites, you know, clips, which are true sound bites. Yes, they are all true. All those verses are true. And they, they might be really good to use in the moment and to remind yourself, like, you know, peace that surpasses understanding. He is able to give that to me. Okay. Uh, perfect love casts out all fear. Yes. Okay. I've got that. And I know that's true. And God, like, help me to believe that. But so much of the times that I have been the most astounded by the word of God and awed by God's character has actually been stories in scripture that don't have one of those like keywords in them, you know, like, yeah. And just the deep things that we were able to learn about God's character through that and see, you know, like his faithfulness or his love or, you know, how he is so sovereign over everything that is happening in all of history. And this bigger picture that we see in the Bible of like, uh, what he is doing, you know, all of that. So to, to encourage people as well, you know, the, the sound bites are good, but you, but you also need to be actually reading the Bible and, and hopefully in a church that is like, at some, in some way, shape or form, exposing scripture and, or also teaching you how to study the Bible, you know, and yeah, I grew for up being... 10 years, I was not in a church like that. So yeah, I know that that's, that is sometimes hard to come by. It is hard to come by. I agree. Um, I grew up with parents that who had had hard backgrounds, unchristian backgrounds, um, abusive backgrounds. And they really, um, as young Christians decided they wanted their kids' lives to be different. And so they read the one-year Bible to us from like, I can't remember not being read the one-year Bible, Leviticus, mm-hmm. Ezekiel, like mm-hmm. Revelation, all of it. They did not skip anything. They didn't water it down. They didn't do the children's version year after year, line upon line, precept upon precepts. And I'm so grateful for their faithfulness in that. So yes, I 100% agree in that we do with our children too. We're reading them actual scripture on a daily basis and then passing off that habit to them to continue on their own. Our next sponsor of today is Cornerstone Curriculum. So I am actually a graduate of Cornerstone Curriculum's four-year course, Worldviews of the Western World. I took it in high school. I rediscovered the name of the company and got in touch with the founders because I wanted to tell them just how impacted I was by that course that I took all the way back in high school over 15 years ago. And um, they became a sponsor of the show because they believe in what I'm doing. And I cannot say enough good things about what they did for me. And um, just how they uh, their curriculum taught me how to think critically. It taught me how to understand 
you know, the founding of our nation and how it was rooted on the truth of God's word and on these biblical principles and the dignity of human life and the fact that, you know, mankind has a sinful nature. Uh, this curriculum is how I learned to think critically about these issues. It instructed me in all of these, you know, questions that we now are weighing every single day in our in our own personal lives and these cultural issues. I learned to think about those things because of that curriculum um, almost entirely. I mean, I just credit it with so much of my own development uh, and worldview as a young adult. So I cannot say enough good things about it. Their website, cornerstonecurriculum.com, has that as well as a lot of other products and resources that can help you to teach your kids how to think critically. They even have Bible studies and Answers for Difficult Days series that covers a lot of the topics that we are dealing with today in terms of justice and sexuality and the family. Um, the Their website is going to be an excellent resource for you, whether you are a homeschool family or even a a parent with kids in private or public school who wants to bring in some Christian worldviews resources and supplement your kids' education with that. So check their website out, cornerstonecurriculum.com. Use the coupon code KINDLED for 5% off and make sure you hit up their website as you are ordering curriculum this spring for the coming year. I want to hit a couple of the, you know, maybe most frequent, um, well, what, I, what I'll explain for people, and, and you can add on to this, is that your book, the way you're laying this out is so helpful. Um, obviously, the chapters have like, you know, kind of subheads over different sections. But at the end, you do kind of provide this nice little succinct, um, the narrative, like a, mm-hmm. a little a little column that says the narrative and uh, what mediocre motherhood says, and then what Christ-like motherhood says. Mm-hmm. Um, and so- one of those, I'm trying to find the one that I wanted to, okay, here's, here's an example. So one of those is at the end of a chapter, mediocre motherhoods, uh, focuses on grace to the exclusion of personal responsibility. Christ-like motherhood refuses to use grace as an excuse not to grow. Um, and I love how you, you know, just make that so simple and, and clear, um, and, you know, easy to digest for people to see that like, oh yeah, that actually is a really huge tendency that I, I, I notice all the time that just because grace is real and exists, that we use it as an excuse for, um, bad attitudes or complaining or whatever, but could you kind of expound on that idea and, and what, how mediocre motherhood does that? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I feel like it all comes from, I think it's Romans six, it's either six or eight, where it says, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And then of course the resounding answer is by no means. So we don't use grace, which thank the Lord for it. It's where our salvation comes from. It's where our hope rests in without it. We are lost. We do not use that gratitude to then, you know, kind of make that into something that we use as a crutch to get away with anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is another thing that I see on social media or within certain circles that I've personally interacted with or in books or whatever, that um, people declare things no shame zones. This is mm-hmm. a no shame zone. This is a safe place to tell what you really think. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that ends up usually looking like complaining, pretty much guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And we are supposed to do everything without complaining or arguing, Philippians 2 tells us. Do 
everything without complaining or arguing. There's literally no grace for complaining or arguing. Mm, Um, Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't grace for repentance. So I think while there's no, no like free pass to say, no, you don't understand how bad this day was. I get to do this. There's no free pass for that in scripture. But should we fall into that? There is absolutely forgiveness and repentance offered. Mm. Like, Lord, I just totally blew that. And I use that as an opportunity not to thank you for a chance to grow, which sounds so altruistic. But honestly, when you make yourself say it, Lord, I do not like this. There's nothing wrong with saying you don't like it. Read the Psalms. Like Mm -hmm. David is so clear about Why is this happening? Why are they prospering? Why is my life going bad? I don't get it. Lord, save me. I don't want to be here. This isn't fun. I don't enjoy it. That's not the same thing as going to your um, girlfriend and being like, this is the pits, isn't it? Yeah, it is the pits. They are the worst. They're a-holes. You know, just, just kind of snowballing. Because for one thing, David's taking it to the Lord, not to his neighbors, not to his friends. He's yeah. taking it to the Lord. And the Lord can handle it and he can hand back wisdom like he does in dope. In some cases, it's comfort. In some cases, it's for you at the beginning of the world. Mm-hmm. Did you found all this? Did you create right. the Leviathan? You know, so sometimes he, he, he you know, pushes back and says, and sometimes it's, I am the God who comforts you. I'm near to the brokenhearted. I'm bottling up your tears in a bottle. I'm writing you on my hands. So there is grace, but we don't get to, to shape that into what we want it to look like to get away with stuff. And I really feel like um, it has been, oh, grace. There's grace for that, too. There's grace for that, too. There's repentance for when we abuse grace. Not the same thing. Yes. Yeah. So good. I love how you made that distinction. Um, another another like hot topic, I guess, that I really liked how you framed in, in the book was the struggle that we have to view our time as mothers as a sort of a means to an end, a way to kind of get to the light at the end of the tunnel. And you tell Mm -hmm. a story about a time when you were on a panel and everyone had a career or a different pursuit they were doing, and they viewed themselves kind of primarily through that career. And um, could you kind of like walk us through that situation and and what the thinking was there of the, the person that said, you know, you'll get there, you'll get to your whatever God has for you sort of after motherhood. Could you kind of talk about that? So the first thing I want to say is that I think we can fall into the trap of saying motherhood is the be all end all. Mm -hmm. Like I am the holiest because I am a mother. Not true. Nowhere in scripture does it say that. Um, Clearly mothers are valued and talks about God's comfort as being like a mother's comfort. That's a pretty great analogy to make. So we have great value, but someone that doesn't have children yet isn't less than a mother, you know, and mm-hmm. someone that um, is single is not less than a mother as a woman. So I want to make that distinction first, because I think we can start to put motherhood up on a pedestal of idolatry and we don't need to do that. Our identity is in Christ first, not in being mothers first. Right. Um, and I've seen a lot of people put their identity in motherhood. And then when their children are gone, they don't know who they are in Christ. And that's a scary place to be. And they have to, they have to find themselves and hopefully that turns out well in the end. But with that caveat set aside, I do believe that if we are already mothers, that it is our primary calling because there is no other profession or calling to which we have been drawn that has actually entrusted eternal souls to us and to us alone. And I think that is a really important distinction. You can 
Um, you can find a lot of purpose in um, teaching in coaching and mentoring and creating content for people, whether it's children or adults. And I think all of those things have great value. And I think a lot of them can fit in the chinks of motherhood. But what I was hearing from this panel of women who were so successful, and as I said, many of them are some of the most well-known names in Christian, and I'm putting in quotation marks because most of them are not biblical Christians. Mm -hmm. um, they're either progressives or they've kind of stepped away from um, Christianity altogether and just consider themselves spiritual. But they were placing at their pinnacle of achievement whatever um, thing their personality enjoyed the most. So I love writing books. That's where my identity is. That's my profession. Yes, I also have kids, but they get it. Like they get it that mama is an author and that's where I have people, you know, really kind of clamoring for me. They understand that. No, they don't. Kids don't get that. What they get is that you, is those moments when you are connecting. I mean, they just, I don't remember anything about my parents' professions much growing up. And my mom did homeschool me and was mostly home with me. And I can tell you that she was also an adjunct college professor when we were old enough to kind of do school on our own at the college library and stuff. So I knew what she did, but I wasn't thinking how is my mom doing in her interview? I was thinking, how is my mom doing as she pays attention to me while she reads to me? That's where kids draw their um, draw their worth and their security from as your children. And so when we say, I am a this, yes, and about the kids, that trickles down to them. They're, that's not lost on them. So the point that I'm making in the book is if you already are a mother, in your primary years of mothering, where your children are dependent upon you, that is your primary profession. And I know people will argue with me about that. And I'm not saying it dogmatically in the sense that that's the only thing that makes you worthwhile, because I've already said, I don't agree that with that. Mm -hmm. But this lady on the panel was saying, listen, I know that you have this dream in your heart, whether it's to start a jewelry business or to write a book or to start a business or to, to, to both speak or to... Um, work at this job or that job. Um, but right now your kids are keeping you from that. I get that that's frustrating. And, and I know you love your kids, but still they're, they're keeping you from that dream in your heart. But don't worry, pretty soon they're going to be in school and you'll be free to do the thing you really love. Yeah. And I thought, no, she's got it backwards. She's got it backwards. The Lord already entrusted you with this soul. And whether it's I saw a comment on the on uh, someone's post the other day that said something like, um, I already have two kids and I'm trying to figure out whether I like it or not. I think that's a very honest sentiment. And I think we've probably all felt at some point or another that we don't even like our kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. We're probably not supposed to say that out loud. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't mean that they aren't still an incredible privilege to raise. Mm -hmm. So then we have to say, so whose fault is that if I'm the adult and they're the child whose cognitive development I'm supposed to be helping along and haven't gotten there yet? Mm. If, am I, okay, so Paul David Tripp did this, this analogy. Um, I said this on another podcast, but I just, this struck me a profound and I'll try and give it credit or it's due. So you have a glass of water and you walk along and someone jostles you and you spill the water and someone, and you say, why did that happen? And you say, well, it's because this person ran into me. And someone goes, no, no, why did water spill out of your cup? And you're like, wait, what? 
water spilled out of your cup because what it was what was in the cup. You were never going to get juice or milk out of that cup when someone ran into you. So when our kids jostle us, when they inconvenience us, when they don't sleep well, when we don't actually even like them very much because they all we do is throw tantrums. What comes out of us was already in there. It's like what Jesus says about the overflow of the mouth, the hearts, or from the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Right. So this concept of resentment doesn't reflect on our kids. It reflects on us. And people aren't, that's, that's like a dangerous thing to say because, no, you haven't met my kid. You're right. I haven't, but I've met mine. And I know my response to them is not good some days. And yet I know that I'm still called primarily right now to be stewards of their souls as much as I'm able to as their mother. So as their mother. The last sponsor of today's episode is me, my business, H. Williams Creative. So for those of you who don't know, I do web design and branding for clients all over the country. I specialize in WordPress websites and uh, graphic design and branding for any size business. So I usually find myself working with female entrepreneurs because let's just be honest, we have the same style. A lot of times women with a very clear vision of what they want for their brand and how they want their website to look come to me because they want an effective and a powerful website, but they don't want it to look lame and ugly and dumb. They want it to look beautiful and stylish and have this aesthetic that is in their brain that they just can't quite execute on their own. That's why they come to me and I love to work with people. Um, I'll work with anyone. You don't have to be a woman, but that is often who I find myself working with and um, I love it so much. So my website where you can learn more about what I do, see my portfolio is hwilliamscreative.com and you can email me there or shoot me a contact form message. Um, my email is H A L E Y at H Williams creative.com. Uh, of course you can also just message me on, on Instagram and connect there however you want to. Uh, but if you have a project in mind and you are needing help with your small business, just hit me up and let's see if we can work together. Okay. Back to the conversation with Abby. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, so many things you said are just like a, a prick to our, our flesh really. I mean, and, and that's, a, that's probably what some people are hearing is, uh, but you know, but that's the thing that I'm really good at. And that's the thing that I, I get a lot of my identity out of and, and validation. I just, yeah. validation and, and like reminder that, yeah, I am good at something because how often in parenting are we confronted with the reality that we don't control everything about our kids? We can't you know, it's, they're not a little computer where you input the formula and the output is just the automatic right answer. Right. It's, they are human beings. They are souls, like you said, and they may or may not know the Lord yet. They may actually be walking in rebellion against him. Um, and, and that is, that is very challenging. Of course. Like imagine, imagine believing sin is real. Depravity is real. And then imagine parenting that. Yes. I think we can all see how motherhood is incredibly hard and sanctifying, But at the same time, I think sometimes, and I'm an entrepreneur, I have a business that I work from home. So I am the biggest fan of people having a skill and doing something like having that skill and making money and supporting their families, being part of that equation. I'm great. I am totally for that. Um, but I also know that the temptation when you are good at something outside of, you know, your motherhood is to hinge a lot of your identity and a lot of your sanity and a lot of your, you know, what you get that, that feel good. Like, okay, I'm still human. I'm still doing a good job. I'm capable. I'm competent. I am just, I'm killing it. You, you find that in that career or in that pursuit in that profession. And 
because you're not finding it in your parenting. Sometimes. Well, because parenting is so many times realizing how, how much you need Jesus. Yes, exactly. Right. In right. your career, you may be killing it. And that, that yeah. hustle culture of boss babe killing it, you know, yeah. you are rocking this, um, slay girl, all of that, yeah. all of that terminology is a lot of hype for um, trust in self. Yes. And there's so much in motherhood that showed you that your trust in yourself is failing and that without Christ's strength, you can't possibly hope to be anything other than mediocre, you know, like on a daily basis, no matter who you are. Um, And then you go from slay girl at work home to kids that won't respond or obey or are really, really out of control. And you're, and you're clearly like, uh, yeah. And, and that's not, that doesn't really give you a good feeling. You know, that actually makes you go, I need help. I am not equipped or I don't know what to do. And I need, I need truth that is deeper than yeah. got this girl. Cause I don't got this, you yeah, know, I don't exactly. feel like I got this. And yeah, I think and, and that's those- where so many people are turning to their, you know, whatever it is other than kids. And it, it doesn't always look like work. It could be body image or it could be your house. It could be a lot of things, you know? Sure. Yeah. And of course, when you turn to your kids and trying to find your identity there too, you're still going to find yourself lost. It is only when you turn to Christ and his word. And so um, that's why I say that motherhood is not the ultimate like identity. It's not, it's just um, the most important one while you are digging deep into discipling those souls. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that is, um, and, and so often like, you know, both of us have things that we do that, you know, that earn us money that, uh, that we are good at, that we, that God gave us, like you were saying earlier, you know, like find that thing that you were designed, created to do and, and run hard after excellence and pursue that to the glory of God. And I think that there's so much room for people to do that. Um, but never to the exclusion of their motherhood or, um, you know, shepherding those souls as a primary objective, you know, Um, I think you can, you can look at, Proverbs 31 and say, I mean, she's literally like considering a field and buying it, she's yeah. buying clothes, um, buying cloth and then making it for her family and her household and her employees. And um, yeah. she is rising early and working hard. And there's no indictment of industrious womanhood in the Bible at all. There's no concept that, quote, all we do is circle the wagons. And if we accidentally brush up against the world, we're unholy or something like that. Mm So there can be that mindset as well. But like you were saying, just that, um, looking first to Christ to say, what are my priorities? Show me how the mother will show me how to incorporate these other things or what to take off my plate so that I can be excellent in this area. Um, and then keeping kind of the blinders on to say, this is, this is the lane that he's put me in and I don't want to wander over and, um, start worrying about what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You have an awesome quote in here. Um, that, or somewhere I read it in the book, uh, in the world's economics of motherhood, we can't ever hope to have enough. So the question is not, um, how will I, how will I have enough, but how will Christ in spite of me, how will Christ, I mean, that is just such a beautiful truth and dichotomy that so many of us, um, forget, 
that, you know, God is going to give us more than we can handle. You say he gives us more than we can Mm -hmm. handle both joy and pain. Mm -hmm. Um, Could you expound on that? How, you know, the enough, the pursuit of enough or sort of, you know, whether it's, I didn't get enough nap time. I didn't get enough, you know, work time, or I didn't get my workout in, or I didn't, uh, I'm not able to go have that happy hour drink with girls. So now I'm at a deficit of enoughness and I'm, I'm just now, you know, not expected to necessarily perform at the same level because I didn't get my me time, you know, (laughs) which is such a normal thing we hear. It is. I think one of the emptiest mantras that we have in society is you are enough Mm -hmm. because what you just said was I am enough when I have these things. If our enoughness is dependent upon our circumstances and then our circumstances fall short, our emotions will inevitably tell us that we have, like you said, a deficit. We have failed we are below the level of where we should be in our happiness meter. Mm -hmm. But if Christ is enough, and I I quote my friend Clarita from Sky's Apartment blog in there, and she started about self-care versus soul care, and a whole chapter on that. And she basically said, listen, on the days when I am too busy for me time, I invest time in the Lord because he fills my soul in a way that a pedicure or a good book other than scripture or, um, or, or even coffee with friends ever could. Mm-hmm. Those things are fleeting. His joy is eternal. And so that concept of enough of having, like I said, your happiness meter kind of constantly doing this based on your circumstances mm-hmm. is such a pitfall in our society. And I see it everywhere. There's a popular book right now out and it's in the Christian category. I have not personally read it, nor am I going to call it out by name, but it just keeps banging this mantra of you are enough. You are so enough. You're more than enough. I'm like, I don't even know what more than enough means. Like what, mm-hmm. what does that practically even mean in a relationship when that makes somebody a bit too much? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm so grateful that A, it's not true. And B, Christ is enough. Like that mm-hmm. is such a place of rest for me. Yeah. Amen. I guess more than enough means you're extra, in which case I'd probably agree with that person. Yeah. You are extra. You're very extra for lying about that because that's not true. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, any final words? I could definitely talk to you about this for much longer, but any final words of encouragement to the mom listening who um, maybe feels like some of these lies have become just the natural pattern of thought in her head and and is like, wow, I I am believing things that are not true on a regular daily basis. Like, what would you say to that person? I really feel like the great hope of the gospel is that whether it's something you've been believing for five minutes that's wrong or 50 years, there is a new start today. Mm-hmm. I think one of the lies that we tell ourselves in motherhood is I have messed up in this particular thing for so long that there is no hope for me. And that is never true in the economics of Christianity, in the realm of Christ has paid it all, all to him I owe. Death has left a crimson stain, but now I'm white as snow. And so that can be true as a believer already of starting over. And I know one of the most off-quoted, like soundbitey type verses, it's mercies are new every morning and it's lost its power, but it's still the truth. So if you find yourself realizing, you know what, I don't even know where to go from here. A, you know, I'm going to say scripture, you know, I'm going to say, start reading your Bible on a daily basis, Mm -hmm. start, um, start studying it and get a concordance out or, you know, sit there for 10 minutes before you read to ask the Lord to reveal 
it's truth yeah. to you in a way that your mind couldn't grasp before because his ways are higher than our ways and his wisdom is foolishness to man and our our wisdom is foolishness to him and so i would just really encourage moms not to dwell in a place of self-condemnation mm-hmm. um i think my book does prick hearts yeah i think it does provide conviction but it does not condemn no it does conviction is good yeah. condemnation is from the devil Yes. And so when we say Christ has already overcome, we are more than conquerors in him and we don't have to be slaves to this. Right. That is good news. And right. that is hopeful. And I really want to give mom hopes in that way. Mom's I love that hope. so much. Yeah. Like you said earlier that, you know, this is a no guilt zone. Well, you know, that's like saying this is the no bad news zone. But in reality, like if we don't have the bad news that actually we are guilty before God for sin, but God being rich in mercy yeah. gave, a, gave us Christ. And if we never have the bad news, then we do not, we do not think much of the good news. The good news means yeah. very little to us. It's such a minimization of it because we can't handle the bad news, which means we also don't get very good news either. And that's, that's just a anemic, um, very shallow, you know, Christianity. If you could even call it that it's not Christianity. It's just, it's, you know, I don't know, soundbite, um, popular, yeah. Yeah. More, more moralism, I guess. But, um, but yeah, the good news is that like, we were, we are far more hopeless than we ever dared imagine without Christ, but in him, we are, you know, we are more than conquerors than we ever dared hope. And so, yeah. uh, you know, just the beautiful truth of the gospel really is what this all comes down to. And your book is an excellent place for moms to start, um, really unpacking and, and just revealing, you know, kind of the, the lies behind the narrative that mediocre motherhood sells us and, uh, and then in contrast, what Christ-like motherhood is. So where can people find your book and connect with you online? Um, you can find it on christianbooks.com, uh, Books Million, Mardell, Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble, most places that books are found, thankfully. Okay. Perfect. And where, where do people find you on uh, online, connect with you? Um, my main place that I share is Instagram. It's m.is.for.mama. So everybody could separate that because people will call me Miss Vermont and all kinds of weird things. Also a blog at MissVermont.net. I'm on Facebook, you know, usual places. Okay, perfect. I mean, it was so fun to talk with you, Abby. And I hope, uh, I hope you sell a lot of these books because this is, I mean, the stuff you're sharing in here is just so encouraging and true. And like you said, scripture based. So um, people can turn to this and not be afraid that they're going to be sold another mediocre motherhood lie. So thank you for writing it. <laughs> It was my pleasure. It was so fun to do. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. It was great. Um, I will let you know when this is going to air. I know that you just launched is like sooner better than later or what's your, what would be best for you? Um, sooner ish rather than later. I mean, it's nice to have like things like each week. Yeah. So it's not to bang all on launch or the week after. Yeah. So next couple of weeks would be great. Yeah. Okay. So I will shoot for the 21st. Does that okay. work? That's great. Okay. Perfect. I have one scheduled up for this Monday, but yeah, I can, I can squeeze it in there for next Monday. That sounds great. All right. Well, thank you so much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. All right. You too. 
All right, guys. Well, wasn't that just such an encouraging episode? Um, I'm telling you, as good as that was, the book is a million times better. So you definitely should check out Emma's for Mama. You can find it wherever you get your books and connect with Abby. All the ways that she mentioned, I will put links in the show notes. All right, guys, have an excellent week. If you're in Firestarters, I will see you on Friday. If not, see you next Monday. Bye.